You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast and this is the first of four special recordings uh, recorded at the LA Podcast Festival, lapodfest.com earlier this year. I mean, I say earlier this year, it was a scant couple of weeks ago, but uh, this is the first of four. Uh, I recorded episodes with Jackie Cation of the Dork Forest podcast, who we're going to hear about shortly. Also a a brilliant stand-up comedian. Um, And I also recorded episodes with Dave Anthony, one of the organisers of the festival. Todd Glass, who many of you will remember from WTF about three years ago. He's the American comic who came out on Mark Maron's podcast. And uh, we have got some absolutely vibrant is the word, some vibrant uh, conversations with Todd uh, coming up next week. Um, and Jimmy Pardo, of course, from uh, the Never Not Funny podcast, which has been running since before the internet existed, almost. Uh, he's coming up uh, tomorrow. In fact, I'm going to chuck these ones out. Uh, uh, it's going to be Jackie today, Jimmy tomorrow, and then Todd and Dave next week. So look forward to those. Uh, before we hear from Jackie, I just wanted to say thank you for your donations. I- I've been doing merch. Uh, the T-shirt has been selling well. There are still some available, so get in touch. Uh, I'll tell you more about that in the central blurb. And also there have been some very, very lovely and heartwarming donations recently. So thank you uh, to a lot of people. I'll I'll read some names out. I want to get in the habit of reading out donors' names because it seems like a nice thing to do. But particularly thank you to Sarah and indeed Gordon. Here's Jackie Cation. I am here in Van Nuys, Nuys, which is a district borough. It's part village. of Los Angeles. Part it's, of yeah, yeah. Part. It's it's yeah. It's uh, it would be its own town if uh, Los Angeles would let it be. But we're in the Valley, the San Fernando Valley, so it okay. goes like Sherman Oaks, and then Van Nuys is the sort of the blue collar neighborhood north of Sherman Oaks. Okay, and uh, except for. Everybody lives everywhere. What I love about Van Nuys is living in Los Angeles is I don't have to. I can just be normal. And uh, I pro- there's like nobody cuts their own lawn. I have a gardener. Okay. I don't come from people that have gardeners. Yes, but I have okay. a gardener. And um, he just he does the entire block and he probably lives in this neighborhood. So, OK, okay there's no it. <laughs> it doesn't. 
I don't like saying I have a gardener. Yes, because <laughs> yes. I I have issues. Okay, uh, what issues do you have? Out of we'll get. We'll, oh, this I is have, as good I a point have, as any. Right, I have issues. I have. I have. I have. What I like to say is, you couldn't out white trash me, but that's not true. You genuinely, my husband can, because <laughs> uh, he was raised by uh, people who uh, used to- old toilets as planters. So he's already won, and uh, in a contest that I don't actually want to win. Because, uh, but I, I'm from a very sort of blue collar background. Okay. Um, but my my parents were white collar or something. Okay, now those whatever. aren't terms that we have in the UK. I okay. feel like I know what they mean from TV. Indus- sort of industry. Like I'm from a factory town, so okay. everybody worked at the factory in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin. Sorry. Outside of Milwaukee, it's a little. Uh, it was a BE Basarisari. We made uh, BE made uh, strip mining equipment, and then later reclamation equipment talk about creating your own <laughs> industries and uh, and now it's owned by caterpillar and they've downsized and it's fine okay. whatever but uh my father he's a salesman so it's sort of white they're both sort of white color but not really okay. my dad sold aluminum siding and whatever was lying around that you probably already owned he's willing to sell that to you okay. and then my <laughs> stepmother was a hairdresser Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So your issue with having a gardener is right. that it feels it's sort of like is it a little fancy? Yeah, it feels like it's sort of inverted snobbery. I think mm-hmm. is the phrase that we use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and yet uh, I don't want to buy a lawnmower. So, <laughs> and this guy charges fifty bucks a month. Okay. A month. So every I would, week I would have my I would have I would have a gardener. For yeah, exactly. For twelve dollars, he does the front yard, the backyard, and the hedges. Okay. And then for like an extra hundred bucks, he'll turn my garden in the spring. I don't know what turning it. Uh, he'll till it. Oh, till it, so, right, so that okay. I don't have to. Um, and then I could just dig holes and plant I tomatoes. Really want a gardener now? This is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the greatest. So you should move to Los Angeles because you can afford a gardener. And Rodolfo is a wonderful man. He does like to hug me. Uh, I am uh, huggable. <laughs> So, <laughs> okay, let's get we're let's getting with it. we're getting a sense of uh, who you are. Let's yeah. just for people in the UK who might not be aware of your work and people listen elsewhere. Right. First have you, of all, have my you, name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, let's do that. It's Jackie Cation. Cation, yeah, Jackie Cation, like vacation, but no vacation. You can ethnic it up. People do, but I don't. My father doesn't, but my two of my siblings do. Where is that name from? Is it's it... Armenian. Okay, Armenian. Yeah. Yes, yes. I found, we said this. The we've other been. Day. Yeah. We, we're. I come from a long line of runners. We will flee in a minute. We will run. Have you performed in the UK before? Yes. Not well. Here's what happened. I started stand-up in 84. Okay. Uh, and I should, I should preface this as well by saying, now, frustratingly, and I don't know if you experienced this with your own podcast, which we will discuss yeah. shortly, I'm sure. Um, frustratingly, I think what I try and do is I only have people on the show that I think are excellent. Oh, and think- then what happens is the oh, – you're welcome – what happens is my listeners look down the list and any names they recognize, they go to those first. And then of if course. they're sort of hardcore kind of super goldsmiths, right. they will uh, <laughs> then trust me enough to go, oh, if Stu had them on the show, they're good. Right. Um, I and, am hilarious, you guys. Well, this is it because I feel like um, I, I've asked, have you done work in the UK? Because of what I'm trying to, I, I want to kind of place you for my UK listeners as well as right. my global listeners if they don't know you. Because Here's I, what, my street cred. I did road work with, uh, I did uh, four weeks with Stuart Lee okay. in Australia okay. in 2005. And, and David McCullough, not David McCullough, uh, David O'Doherty. Yes, okay, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, so these were I, very familiar names, these, friend of the show, these, David. These are funny people that are yeah. from the UK. Yes, and, uh, and I, well, I just, I haven't yet said, you're a really incredible comedian. Oh, thank and you. And we will, I will jump, we'll, we'll jump ahead very slightly because... 
I saw you at the where we've been both at the LA Podfest, right? And uh, I saw you do a short set in uh, an increasingly jumbled and over bloated right. <laughs> kind of oh, stand-up gig, yeah. in which you were excellent. And then I went away and I listened to your most recent album, the title of which will tell listeners anything they haven't already guessed. Right. It's called "This Would Make an Excellent Horcrux." Yes, we'll get onto all of those issues shortly. Because my soul is in it. Yeah, it's oh. such a good title. <laughs> it's such a good title, and yeah. like everything, I think every that you do that I know about it is a brilliant example of you planting a flag very firmly and going this is it right this is the thing that I do but I'm sorry I'm good. there's, so, there's always so much yeah, to yeah. talk about but the thing that I particularly wanted to mention was I was listening to that on Spotify and so it kind of it, it enforces shuffle play on me because I'm not a member so I get the advertising as well <laughs> and uh, so it's all sort of jumbled and out of order I heard some bits of it before I invited you onto the show and then this morning I was listening to more and the bit about the bit it's the, the track title is sexual healing and oh that my was God. one of the best pieces of stand-up I have heard in a long time. And oh my God. it genuinely right. made me tear up. Aww. I thought it was, I was like, how great is the world? It's like thank, <laughs> for that phrase, thank you, internet, that I have discovered this and you, and that's an amazing piece of stand-up. Thanks. That's uh, I. That is a uh, that I hopefully also very funny. Right? It's very funny. Very, very funny. funny. But it is it is kind of a powerful piece, I guess, just yes. because it's about sexual abuse. But it's about fixing sexual abuse to and some it is extent. And the, you have the and lightest so touch of any material. I don't yeah. see a lot of material on sexual abuse, yeah. but it is by no means dark. It's incredibly positive and light right. and powerful through its lightness. Right, because, I, I, well, the thing is, is uh, I like, I, quite honestly, when I talk about stuff like that's, that, that is that dark, that is that serious, all I can think is I'm not alone. You know, I mean, I'm not the only one who has, I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me afterwards and go, oh my God, crying during sex. Because, I mean, I've heard recently, actually, a lot of people, it's weird when you, when you start doing a bit, then it's sort of out there mm -hmm. and you hear parallel bits to it. Mm -hmm. It started sort of the Dork Forest bit, which is, uh, my podcast is based on a joke I wrote in the early 2000s and I did it on my half hour special in 2003. You don't need to find that special. Anyway, it's, it's <laughs> okay. fine. But uh, the, the thing is, is the joke is about hanging out with nerds and dorks and whatever and how far you have to go into the dork forest to find the line I will not cross. Okay. And that is right before the war reenactment, guys. <laughs> and then I name and I name different uh, so you'll dorkdoms. Laugh, you'll laugh, but you won't war reenact. Right, well, well, and it's because of a very specific story. I met World War II reenactment guys yes. who uh, people still alive from that one. Let's wait till everyone's dead before you play whatever weird, yes, uh, you I know. I have a, a friend, a close friend, who enjoys or used to enjoy doing that. And obviously some people would play GIs and some people would play British soldiers. Yes. And some people would dress up as Nazis. As Nazis. And fun. I've, fun I've met, for them. I've met him. But I've scary. met some of his friends. They yep. are by no means neo-Nazis. At all. They're like librarians. They're like, I've got exactly that. This is the right This uh, is the insignia. correct thing. And this is They're the... total dorks. But right. there's a, yeah, let's, yeah. Well, and it's not, <laughs> it's partially because there's, there were people still alive from that one. So they're sad. Yes. And then there's other reasons, which was that the guys I met the World War II, they were playing GIs and they're US GIs. And they uh, literally... <laughs> Would only eat out of their mess kits. I'm very and you're familiar like, with that. And we're done. Yes. Uh, you seem very <laughs> nice. And when you are not wearing that outfit, we will chat. And because the, the LARPing is live action role playing, mm -hmm. it. So I wrote that bit before, um, 
before I met my husband and my husband's a game designer. And so absolutely everything has something to do with games. Every, every problem in the world can be filled, uh, can be defined by Mm. some sort of game mechanic Mm. and then possibly fixed by uh, tweaking the game mechanics. And, uh, you know, like I got a text from him a couple of years ago and all it said was, uh, was from jury duty. He was on jury duty where uh, he and a party of his peers uh, were going to judge someone else. And uh, all in, in the process of him sitting around waiting to get picked out to be on a jury or not be on a jury, I got a text and all it said was, this game is broken. Oh, God. And I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so it's like standing in, in line sometimes. He's like, the user interface on this thing is ridiculous. <laughs> and <laughs> So yeah. it's like that. I'm a huge game. I'm a huge fan of games and seeing the world like those games, recognizing like the games within stand-up comedy, for example, the games of hosting a room, the games of crowd control. As, yeah. a, as a former street performer, take sure. a drink now, uh, as a... <laughs> Uh, like the the understanding crowd dynamics and the games you can play with the crowd, the things you can get people to do by making them fun and and misdirecting them, or not yeah. even misdirecting, just directing them. Like if you do this, I mean, we've all done you know this side of the room cheer louder than that side of the room. It's sure. the most basic level. There's an incredible yeah, yeah. amount of games within it. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly it's. Yeah, I don't ever think of it. It's very funny because when I started doing stand-up, uh, a lot of comics would – there were a lot of guy comics who had a premise out. Oh, I think I was talking about premises. Anyway, uh, like at 12 minutes ago. Sure. Uh, but the premise the, – the war reenactment bit came out. I'm going to do two things. The war reenactment bit came out, and then everybody started doing war reenactment jokes. Okay. My sexual healing bit came out, and I've heard more people do jokes about that. Like it's sort of in the zeitgeist. Yes. I didn't – I didn't invent it. I'm not on, you know, I, I sure. feel like I might have been ground floor of it. Yeah. I, and I'm psyched as all hell. It's on the CD yep. with a, with a date stamp yes, on it. Absolutely. And, yes. uh, because it was like Bill Hicks, um, did a bit of, he was one of the first guys to publicly nationally do a bit about porn. And about how really? we all watch porn. That's so funny to yeah. think that that and, originated somewhere. Because right. it's so ubiquitous now. And now. Right. Now, we get it. It's, yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> nobody needs... Like, I have a... Uh, like, a prison rape. Yeah. Uh, the, pr- the prison rape, there's a lot of conversation about, uh, about how prison rape jokes... It's my own Bechdel test, quite honestly, when I watch a movie, uh, a comedy. If there's a prison rape joke, I'm like... There it was. And, uh, you know, you're just like, because if your prison rape can't stop prison rape, stop telling it. We've heard it. It's been covered. And the only prison, the prison rape joke I tried, but I never got a punchline to it. (laughs) All it was was rage, uh, which was the fact that I went to give blood. And there is a question on the blood donation questionnaire. If you have been incarcerated in the United States for more than 72 hours, you cannot donate blood. Oh, my God. Because the implication that is the is, implication is, oh my God. and so you're like, hey, asshat, if you know what's happening at hour seventy one, stop it, yeah, fucking fix it, weirdo. Don't just go, oh well, I guess you've been raped, and you're like, stop, what the hell? And so there's no joke yet. Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> as yeah, a premise, it's, like, it's, it's very it's powerful. It's valid as an observation. It's a very yes. powerful observation. <laughs> but <laughs> we're gonna need gonna need a punchline. Where's the twist on that? Yeah, we would all like that. We would all like we would all enjoy a, a punchline, Jackie, before you go off on your weird random thing. But so the, so the sexual healing bit, mm-hmm. you have there are that's absolutely full of punchlines, right? And, and it it fucking works. What a great bit! Yeah. So when you wrote that bit, was that had you tried to write about that concept before? 
and not been able to? No, well, not it was had the, weird. the comedy chops or the kind of the, the self-possession? No, it was, it was, it happened as it happened. You know, comedy for me, the, the, it's mostly just a, uh, making a situation bigger, right? And then hopefully finding a twist punchline. Um, some, some of my jokes actually are just the story, but the best ones are the story that happened and then a punchline. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that is ideal, yeah. uh, <laughs> but it is, doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's just the very funny story of whatever. And um, with the sexual healing thing, we were having sex, and then all of a sudden I was crying, and then he was like, and he said the thing about larping it out. That's and, incredible. And then you're like, what the hell just what just happened? And. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, don't I, I feel we need to give our listeners a little bit more. I don't okay. want to spoil the bit, but right. But the but you can you can hear the whole bit and then enjoy it then too. Sure, it'll be fine. The uh, and because I and I told the the story of trying to write that bit actually on Nerdist uh, months before I had perfected okay. the bit. It's because it's another thing with me is that I don't write like in the UK people write a new hour every year. Uh, I would love everyone to spend another six months on their hour. <laughs> yeah, I've heard uh, that. that, because, that I've, uh, you have brilliantly articulated a thing which has come up a few times. That, that's, right. Th- yes. That is very, uh, I'm, that seems amazing. Six months from now, it's going to be good. Because uh, right now, it's, it's an hour of wonderful premises. And, yes. and it's, it's a problem. Great title that, for now. <laughs> yes, yes. It's just like Louis C.K.'s next album. <laughs> hey, six months from now, come watch <laughs> these jokes again. And, uh, but the, so. I, I I told the story of trying to write that joke on Nerdist, and okay. he was like, God, are you going to really try to do that joke? And so I worked on it. I workshopped that bit for for so long. And it's the deal is, is, is sometimes, like not every sexual experience that I have had or many people have had are always positive. Not every sexual experience you've had is positive. Sometimes they're negative. Sad things happen. And uh, so sometimes you'll be having sex with someone you have a lot of sex with. The the monogamous relationship that you were in that I had never been in, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it, good times. And then um, he pokes you in a way that reminds you of that negative sexual experience. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're having a flashback to a negative sexual experience. And so you're crying. And then I make a joke about you genuinely have like two choices when you are crying during a sexual, a bad sexual experience. You can lie there as a woman, silent tears coursing down your face, hoping he doesn't notice. And he ruts like it's a Dickens novel. <laughs> or uh, you could talk to him like a person who wants you to have a good time. Yeah. And, I've done both, quite honestly, where you're just like, well, he's almost done. It'll be fine. And uh, we can talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> and But he does, but everyone does want everyone to have a good time in the sack. I genuinely believe that. Uh, they're the, bro- the number of broken people in the world are not as great as television would like us to believe, especially fiction. Well, this another another excellent piece that I saw you do in, in that live gig was the your – exploration of the idea that 98% of people in the 98% of men oh, right. aren't waiting ready to rape you. Yeah, they they yeah, they're they're not they're not rape the 98% of all men in the world are not rapists and murderers. Mm. It is um 2% and 2% of half of 7 billion people on the planet, 3.5 billion people, sure, live a little defensively, please. Yeah. Uh and then there's funny examples of how that could be achieved. Uh but the uh but the thing, yeah, and it's because I have four brothers. I have four brothers and a dad and my father is 
uh, a 78 year old horn dog. He is a guy that is working it and has always worked it and is not, uh, he is a philanderer, uh, okay. but he has never, he is not gross. He is, he's not broken. He's an asshole. It is, <laughs> okay. The difference okay. is, is he's not, he's not a creep. He's just a jerk, Right. Okay. Uh, the di- I mean, there's plenty of jerks in the world who are not raping children, who yes, aren't being yes, creepy. Sure. My father never, ever discussed anything sexual or anything when we were children. He just didn't. It was he was he rarely, if ever, swore. Mm. But his other moral issues are very real and very serious and not cool at all. Like he is a salesman. He was a bag man for a bookie. His uh, his line of demarcation of what is honesty and what is not honesty is uh, malleable mm. and uh, fluid. Uh, his idea of how to treat uh, his marriages and women in general. Uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, at my wedding, he hit on my one of my best friends, Maria Bamford, great stand-up comic. Yep. She told me that. She was like, you know, your dad hit on me. And I was like, well, you are his favorite kind of woman, which is a tiny 35-year-old uh, blonde lady. And she was like, oh, am I? And I go, yeah, I'm so sorry my father hit on you. And she said something amazing. She said, it was actually quite flattering. He did a really good job at it. Because my father's <laughs> way of hitting on women... She said that it was just, he just stood there and he was like, this is available. Yeah. He didn't touch her. Mm-hmm. He's not an elbow squeezer. He's not mm-hmm. a creepy dude who touches you. you I don't know uh, if you've ever had somebody like, uh, sometimes, uh, here's, here's a great way not to shake my hand, people, uh, is with, with one hand and then the other hand to squeeze my elbow. Yes. That uh, creep factor 12, mm-hmm. off the Richter scale, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, I guess, does not. When 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 he is hitting on you, uh, you my, Maria Bamford tells me, uh, you know it. Essentially, it's just a vibe you get off of him. It's like, I find you attractive. This is available. If you were to want in on this, this would be available. She did not give that vibe back, so he remained polite. Okay. So uh, that – so I have four brothers, and they're all – some of them – so I know decent men, and I know good guys, and I know I know creepy dudes. I don't hang out with them. Uh, I avoid them. But 98% of the men that I know um, are doing their best, are just normal, walking around, you know. To to what extent is that bit of material part of the... I hate using the word brand. I'm not going to use the oh, word right, brand, right. but what but you I do, know what what, you like mean. I said, this about <laughs> planting a flag yeah. and your like your relationship with your fans through your work and through your podcast mm-hmm. is... Seems amazing. You are, you are. I, I was describing you to my fiance earlier on. I said, I'm so excited to meet Jackie. She's like a kind of, she's like a heroic nerd warrior. Yeah. And I think, I think that regardless of the amount of uh, fan uh, art of you in that kind of position yeah, online. Yeah, it's very much, it's, it's become a new, I don't think you're alone because I don't think of myself as a nerd warrior, you, but I, there's I, a lot of fan art recently. There is, I t- and I think it, it cannot be a coincidence. I think what it is, is you are a champion. Okay. You are regarded as a champion. Huh. Because, All right. because well, you are a strong, confident 
nerd. Yes. You know, you. I mean, we're, we're surrounded by a, uh, a, a Hellboy Ouija board. Right. Uh, your your link type moccasins. There's a box sure. over there with a spider face attached to it that I, I don't know what that, that's from. That, that is a uh, that. Well, that's the Monster Book of Monsters. <laughs> oh, lovely. From from, uh, from Harry Potter, and that's <laughs> okay. and that's my wand from Ollivanders is in that box. Great from from the real Ollivanders. Uh, yes, someone <laughs> sent me that. It was very nice of them. So you <laughs> so. are you are completely I am in, entrenched in, yes. in this, and yet. You are, you're a champion. You're a, you're a cool one. Well, you're, you are, you are. It's, uh, it's interesting. The branding th- thing, and thank you. But the branding thing is interesting because the people that have traditionally liked me, they like the salesman stuff that I do about my dad. They, uh, the salesman so, stuff. Yeah, I do oh, a lot of material about, about him being a salesman. About him being a salesman. Yes. And there's a lot of sort of older family stuff. Spotify, okay. you'll, it'll, it, it'll shake itself loose, you guys. Circus People, the first album. <laughs> and, uh, and, then the, and then they sort of like the second album, the Bread album, is, uh, which is called uh, It's Never Gonna Be Bread. Uh, that album is almost entirely about uh, meeting my husband and... Um, and sort of romance and getting into that. And then it's never uh, the Horcrux album is a lot about it's it's a lot darker. It's a it's a the bread album is probably the lightest of the albums. The Circus People album is sort of the newest album, so it doesn't it isn't very mature. Newest Even, in terms of the material that you were doing was newer to you at the time. Yes, yes. I was a young, a it's much not the younger most recent, comic. It was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it's it's the first it's the first real album I mm. did. I had an album before that. You will not be able to find it <laughs> uh, because I recorded it myself. I edited it myself. I burned it on my computer, and it should. And if it still exists anywhere, please rip it quickly okay. before it disintegrates in front of you. Okay. Uh, and uh, but the the material is a lot younger, right? It's a lot. Um, it, it's it's not as fully developed, sure. and it's weird, you know. Um, so the the brand the the whole the the branding thing that we're not talking about. Yeah. The uh, uh, well, the, what, what can we call it? What what do we mean if not a brand? It's uh, well, it's sort of fan basey. It's 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 the people who who find me and go, oh, I love that stuff you do about yes, sales. The sort of people who see you and then go and text a friend and go, you've got to see this person. Right, That's because she does like a lot of jokes fan. about video games. Yeah. Oh, she does a lot of jokes about uh, like oh, the Horcrux album has a bunch of gaming jokes on it and stuff, and then the bread. The bread album has, a, has more, uh, and the circus people's thing is almost entirely family. The bread album is almost entirely uh, just sort of romance and um, and family mixed, and then Horcrux is romance, family, and gaming mm. mixed. And so there's like there's a couple of jokes that are on circus people that are on Horcrux, I think, that I reference, and I got some sort of complaint about that, and I was like, no, if you buy one album, you have to get out of context. Yeah. I don't want to make people have to go back and, you know, get all the albums. Just if I can do two lines that will remind you of who my dad is and then sure. go into the news story about Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, uh, the goof that he is, <laughs> then you will have some context okay. and you'll get it from that point on. But but I do think that people – it is interesting what people kind of are, are – podcasting is the the best example because people know me better than any – they 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 know more about my life and my I have there's a Wikipedia page about me that doesn't mm. make any sense I'm not on television I'm not famous but there's a Wikipedia page that has the names of each and every one of my siblings and my stepmother and you're like what just what just happened do you guys yeah. uh, and and that's fine I mean it's everyone's I have 
I have no fe- I don't fear my I do a joke on on Horcrux actually it's just a it was a throwaway line that I don't do really but I'm glad it got recorded because it was about how we are constantly told to live in fear mm. and I will not do it if the last lines of my life are oh shit because I trusted someone could have been worse <laughs> So this is Jackie. She's just lovely. She just bubbles over with loveliness. Being in her flat was uh, some sort of comic con uh, adventure game type person's dream. I don't know what the word is for someone that's super into that stuff. Maybe it's a goldsmith. I certainly am. Uh, And I've got a fantastic uh, photo of Jackie posing with her bow and arrow and indeed her elven boots, which presumably give her plus five kicking or something. I don't know how it works. (laughs) Um, But uh, she was just one of the warmest and friendliest people that I met uh, in, in a city full of very warm and very friendly people. So thank you very much to Jackie for coming on the show. You can follow her on Twitter. Uh, you can go to dorkforest.com and check out the Dork Forest podcast in which she interviews one comic or one person. I don't think they're always comics, um, but she's very, very funny, as you can hear. Um, she interviews one person at a time about their dorkdom, about whatever it is that they're super dorky about, whatever they obsess about. And um, there are some really great episodes there as well. She has a legion of really switched on, very excited and excitable fans um, who get, send her all sorts of fan art. She's got some of the best fan art in the business that's something we might we might look into i'm a bit scared about the prospect of asking you to send in fan art but um uh, yeah if you'd like to i tell you what i would like you to do if you're one of the people who have recently purchased one of the comcom t-shirts uh, as designed by uh, warwick johnson cadwell please do check out his website he's got a brilliant blog with some really amazing comic book art on there so in, in fact if you're a fan of jackie's and you're listening in the states please do check out this brilliant british artist warwick johnson cadwell um wjc uh he is just superb i think you're really going to enjoy him and um, he's done me a, a comcom pod device it's not really a logo as such it's just the it's just the letters um you can see that t-shirt at comedianscomedian.com forward slash merch m-e-r-c-h uh, and you can follow the steps there if you'd like to buy one basically you need to email me info at comedianscomedian.com uh, with the word podclad in capital letters in the it's like skyclad if you're a fan of the uh, <laughs> the i can't even describe the band skyclad who can they're sort of prog elfin political agit crazy stuff um but uh like skyclad which I, I believe is an ancient word for naked we're using podclad so if you fancy the t-shirt email info at comedianscomedian.com uh with podclad in the subject title in the subject line and uh, we have got small medium or large a couple of people have requested different sizes P- send in your requests because at least that lets me know uh, well, even though we don't have them as part of this limited edition run, at least that lets me know what size my audience is, <laughs> which uh, we've had a variety. So uh, uh, please do um, uh, inquire, but uh, you can email me, tell me small, medium or large and your address, and then we will take some money from you. They're £20 plus uh, postage and packing of £2 in the UK. I think, was it £3.50 or £4 in Europe, 5 for America, 6 for Australia, and those are all the ones we've done so far. Uh, hello to Carsten uh, and Chad and everyone else who has uh, who's purchased one of those. So you can do that. You can still donate online. You can send me a one-off donation. Go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate, uh, or just follow the, the button from the homepage. That'll take you there. Um, and you can also now, I've finally cracked, oh God, I'm so happy to have cracked 
PayPal monthly subscriptions. You have a variety of options to choose from. If you don't have a PayPal account, there's another link at the donate page. Um, so you can use Moonclerk, which is a nice little sort of non-PayPal alternative. But they both give you different options for how much you'd like to, to pay, how much you'd like to subscribe. If you do, just a pound a month would be fantastic. Two pounds a month would be great and double what Richard Herring gets. <laughs> and uh, you can pay even more. There's a sliding scale depending on uh, how flush you're feeling. Um, but those monthly, or you can play, you can pay via your Patreon account. Uh, also, that link available from the website. Can anyone tell that Stu's been learning how to use WordPress and gone power mad? Um, but yes, in, in all seriousness, one-off donations are fantastic. The monthly recurring ones, those of you that signed up for those, I really, really appreciate those as well. Currently, um, we've got uh, Francisco. Uh, he has uh, very kindly uh, donated. We've got uh, Charlie. I, don't, I sort of don't want to give people surnames. Shall I? Shall we start a thing where I read out the names of donors? Because I like to celebrate it. I do email everyone back. I reply to everybody. It would be nice to read out donors' names, but at the same time, maybe some of you... I mean, someone earlier this week donated me something so... I mean, it was it was right up there. It was like top five ever. And they turned out to be sort of incredibly famous and not in the comedy industry. I don't know if that person wants their name read out. We've not established a... A contract on this, so uh, a social contract between us. So let let me know your thoughts. You can tweet me at comcompod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com uh, and let me know how you think I should be running my business. <laughs> I, I'm crowdsourcing everything. I might as well crowdsource the uh, uh, the suggestions as to how we do the crowdsourcing. It's like Googling Google this. Right, uh, we'll get back to Jackie very shortly. Um, thank you, those of you who have been inquiring about tickets for Finn Taylor. He's currently on tour in the UK at the moment. Uh, you can go to finntaylor.com, Finn with one N. Uh, he's an absolutely fantastic comedian, and this is his first uh, national tour. And, like the upstart that he is, he's doing 90 minutes on his first tour. 90 minutes with an interval. Jesus, this is what it's coming to. Um, so go along and support Finn Taylor, uh, and uh, you can find out more about the tour from finntaylor.com. I'll get him on the show before long, I guarantee you that. Uh, I am releasing, as I said, some of the LA podcasts, uh, Jimmy Pardo tomorrow, and then Todd Glass and Dave Anthony next week. And then we get back into some of the uh, the guests that I interviewed in the live shows at the Edinburgh Festival this year. So we've still got Ronnie Cheng to come. We've still got Jason Byrne. We've still got Ashling B to come. We've got some Will Durst. We've got some absolute bangers coming up. Uh, Jenna Friedman, fantastic. Um, so loads more episodes from Edinburgh and then that'll kind of take us through to Christmas and then I'm going to have a baby. So I know that I sort of, one of the things I considered was sort of drip feeding these LA episodes, trying to make the whole thing last as long as possible. What I may do is I, I may take January and February off or February and March off. I would that be awful? I've been doing one a week for over two years now. I mean, I'm, I'm also, to be honest, I could just pull my finger out and talk to more people. It's only a chat, isn't it? But I've got some crackers lined up for the next lot that we do, as yet unrecorded. And some very exciting people I've been chatting to. Um, I won't say their names for now until they're, they're absolutely squared away, because I, I never like to promise what I can't uh, deliver. But uh, I'm very excited to be bringing you some brilliant British and international comedy people coming up. So if you're listening in the States and if you're a fan of Jackie's and you've just uh, tuned in to, to hear how she writes her stuff, thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. I, I noticed a real jump in subscribers after the Matt Lucas episode and indeed after uh, I went to L.A. So uh, if you're new to the show, thanks very much for being part of it. You can ignore the whiffle about sending me money and donating and buying T-shirts until you've 
until you've done what I'm, what I'm increasingly pleased to hear that people are doing these days, which is cherry picking their favourite episodes, doing that for their, their favourite comedians, doing that for sort of four or five, six episodes, and then going, ah, oh, bollocks, then going back to episode one and doing everyone and coming on this insane rambling journey with me. So uh, thanks to everyone that's doing that. I feel like that's all I've got to say. Let me consult my little list. This is terrible, isn't it? I've done T-shirts. We've done hello to those guys. Monthly payments. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't need to hear any more about donating. I just love when you support the show. A little thing in my phone beeps every time someone donates to the show and lets me know. And um, I tell you, man, when you're driving home from some gig God knows where, uh, that's really, that's a really positive thing. It's a really, um, uh, uh, it, it just lets me know you care about it. And I really like that. And uh, also, as I said, I'm having a baby. And I didn't mention my baby during my, my bottling speech at this year's Edinburgh Festival. I was doing a free friend show, so asking for money afterwards. Um, and I, uh, I didn't mention the baby because I tried to be too classy. I have not stuck to that principle here, I'm afraid. Um, done some lovely gigs, lovely gigs this week. Uh, I've been in Cardiff. I've been at Smoke and Mirrors in Bristol. If you're in Bristol on a Monday, there is always a gig at a magic cafe called Smoke and Mirrors which is so perfectly set up, uh, run by wonderful George Rigdon. And if you'd like to come and see my solo show, uh, I'm going to be on at the Brighton Comedy Festival on the 18th of October at 7pm. Uh, this is the show that I took to Edinburgh this year. It was on the free fringe, but you had your chance to see it free, and now it costs £8. 7pm <laughs> uh, at Brighton Comedia, so you can get your tickets from Comedia, K-O-M-E-D-I-A dot co dot U-K. Uh, and that's uh, that's a show. That's my one. If you're one of these people that likes to bully me and tell me that I should uh, submit to the podcast process myself, and when are you going to get asked if you're happy, Stu? Uh, then I think you only have the right to bully me if you are conversant with my act. So if you come along and see the uh, see the show, then you'll know all about it. It's great, man. I'm really proud of it. It, it grew some brilliant new bits during Edinburgh. Like it already had a great bit about Jack Reacher and some really funny stuff about dementia. Um, like. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if that sells it well, but it was. It's funny, and it's about dementia. I like to think that as a comic, I do funny stuff that is actually about something. If you know, I've been I've been scuffling around searching for a USB for years. Maybe that's it. And um, so, the Jack Reacher stuff, the dementia stuff is great. I'm really looking forward to doing the the story about uh, the lady in the audience with Tourette's again. Again, could be handled by a less good comic in a clanging way, but it's not. It's sensitive and yet funny. So come and check out all that stuff. Plus, there's a really good bit with a crab that, that sort of existed, came to exist throughout the festival. Come and see that at 7pm on Sunday, the 18th of October. It costs £8. And if you're going there anyway, why not stick around and see Phil Gerrard afterwards? Uh, he is on the same Sunday at the Comedia as well in Brighton on at 8.30. His tickets, though, are £10, but then he's got a beard. Uh, Phil Gerrard's great and if you're a fan of comedy as you are if you're listening to this uh, I'm sure you will find Phil Gerrard bothering this podcast before too long so uh, come and see both of us why not a snip at £18 they might do you a deal ring them up the box office is 0845 293 8480 I'm not guaranteeing they'll do you a deal <laughs> but come and see one of us and it may as well be me 7pm Sunday the 18th of October get your skates on Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. We'll come back to this of the fan base elements of it, but that idea, just the way you said and what you said there when you went, I will not do it, you're... I don't know if stubbornness is the right word, your strength. Sure. You, you mentioned rage earlier on as well. Yeah. And I, I think it, I'm just interested in why you're such a champion. You're not just a charismatic nerd. You're not sort of, you're not flirting with an audience and winning them over. You're right. powerful. You're a powerful lady. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, it's, yeah, I think some of it's a learned skill, right? Because once you start doing stand-up and then I've been doing stand-up for, I count the 80s as one year. Uh, so just because it was off and on a lot and so 90 i moved to minneapolis and but the uh um but it's a long time of 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 stage time and and i don't know i can't remember the name of that jackass with the ten thousand hours but whatever i mean it's like there's so much time that so there's a learned skill there and plus i come from a very we're very certain my family doesn't matter. Like if you were to meet my, the rest of my siblings and my dad, we all have this sort of, my oldest brother is an evangelist. He has a GED and he is editing Genesis. Think of the test. A GED is a, a, like uh, a diploma, high school. Diploma. It's a high school diploma that you had to get because you got kicked out of high- okay, it's not okay. great. Yes, yeah, sure. what I'm saying is that it's ballsy stuff for a guy who has no the- he doesn't speak Aramaic mm. I mean, or he can't translate Aramaic. I mean, he has he doesn't have the skills, the academic skills to edit the g- Genesis. But, but he's without, doing it because he has unshakable confidence in his ability to do a thing. In the face of fact. Yeah. In the face of uncontrovertible fa- When he told me that he was editing Genesis, he said, oh, I want to tell you this thing. Is, uh, is, uh, uh, I'm editing uh, the, the Old Testament. Did I tell you that I'm editing the Old Testament? And I said, did I tell you I do stand-up comedy for a living? Because that's ridiculous. And he said, I'm trying to tell you a nice thing that happened to me. And I was like... Then tell me the nice thing, and uh, and I was like, "Are you line vetoing all the good things?" Where because he's a he's a very angry Jesus freak. Uh, he's, he, he his Jesus is very is a little meaner than my own Jesus. Your uh, the anger again there, just mentioned in the context I know of your brother. Your family are certain. Are all your family as certain, and are all your family as angry the, as one another? Well, the angry, I think, the certainty. It's an arrogance. That is, when I was in third grade, my, uh, I was eight years old, and my teacher told me, called me arrogant. And I went home and I told my parents that Mrs. Hinkle had called me arrogant. And my father actually said at the dinner table, people are always calling this family arrogant. They're just mad because we're always right. <laughs> Which is a very funny line. That is... Uh, that... If you know what arrogance means. But I was eight, so I did not. <laughs> so all I heard was, we're always right. Yeah, okay. And, in my, and my dad... He has a saying uh, that he says, which is, uh, every day's a holiday, every meal's a feast, you can't have a bad day with Elliot. 
His name is Elliot. <laughs> and you're like, every He's day. He's one of those people that has a motto about himself. <laughs> Amazing. And here's the thing. Every day is not a holiday. Every meal certainly was not a feast. And every day is not a great day with Elliot. Uh, but in the face of genuine information, my father's like, no, nah, it's all going to work out. And, and it's, it, is, it is a great, in many ways, it's a beautiful thing. Because it gives you a sense of, he would say, you can do whatever you want in life. You can be whoever you want in life. And then the second thing he would say would always be complete crazy talk. But it but was... But he was right about you. I mean, you would you say you are exactly what you want to be? Yes. He is... I mean, that the, the greatest... The reason to love him is what I had to come through, right? Because you, you have to come through with your parents. You have to come through the... the the, the being mad that they're flawed, that they're human, that they were raised poorly themselves, that they didn't know what the hell they were doing. I mean, there's all these barriers to loving them as people mm. and to find the amazing things about each of my parents and my family members and my dad in particular is to really appreciate that he is one of the smartest guys in the world, in my, in my opinion, right? And he's my dad, so I get to... But he's a... In many ways, he's an amazing... He didn't graduate from high school. He... Uh, my brother Russ is uh, very wealthy, and he says that it is because he takes my father's advice. He said, you know, dad knows how to make money. He just doesn't want to. He needs to make three bank shots and then knock it in the, pole, the, the hole. When I'm like, but A to B... B and then and then you get a giant bag of money, Dad. And he's like, yeah, but so you could just do that and then make ten grand. That'd be fine. What I'm saying is that what you do is you send the money over here to the Ukraine and then you send it right back to Mexico. Then you don't have to pay any taxes on it and you make a hundred grand on it. And Russ is like, or I could just go from A to B and make ten grand. Yeah. Why don't I make ten grand, Dad? And he's like, well, it sounds boring, but yeah, do whatever you want. So my father completely broke. My brother Russ. Millions of dollars because okay. he's like, I don't want to, I don't have to reinvent the, I don't, I don't have anything to prove. My father, for some reason, he, that's his, th- that's his thing. It's the, he is a fascinating person. What, what do you think you, I, was, I mean, we were, I was I asking about. I get timing about, from him. I should talk about the, what I get from him. Yeah. Well, let's wise. talk about some of the, some of the positive things yeah. comedy wise, because that, it seems to me like the, what a gift to be given by a parent. Hours, hours just of material. Abs- well, no, I mean, the, <laughs> I was absolutely, but I was oh, yeah. referring to the gift of confidence of saying oh, we're right. always right. Yeah. It must be very, very useful for stand-up comedy. There must mm-hmm. also be drawbacks within the field of stand-up comedy. Right, right. Well, it's, it's, well, what I, okay, so what I get from my dad is timing. Uh, what I get from, what I got from my stepmother was uh, a sense of, she really likes smart comedy. So what she, she gave me was aspirationally to write a funny smart joke and my dad it's all stage presence your dad could have got you on the road your dad could have turned you into a road act for the rest of your life your dad could have turned yeah. you into one of those people who can smash the tits off a club on and, the road and that's be it. super bitter when uh, other people make it and they're like oh i you kidding they, they carry i get a standing o standing o every time i get on stage they carry me off stage and you're like yeah but you're a moron yeah. And uh, and it's That's like the, it's not the same thing as being a good or interesting comic with a journey ahead of them, right? And it's not that I don't respect those comics because those comics do their job, right? People leave comedy clubs after watching that, going, "Oh, that was stand-up comedy, and I enjoyed that. That was yeah. lovely." Uh, but they go to see Maria Bamford, and they leave going, what "The hell, what? That was amazing. 
That was hilarious and moving and smart and hilarious. Was that? St- I mean, who said that? Who the hell said that to me? It was like somebody famous. Mm. Maria told me afterwards he came up to her. It was a famous guy at the improv who came up to her and said, do you consider what you're doing stand-up comedy? And she was like, I actually don't, can't talk to you right now. Uh, <laughs> because yes, because stand-up comedy is, is open-ended. It can be, you know, it's sort of like, uh, there's a better, there's a perfect example that I'm missing, which is you're a member if you say you're a member. I don't know, whatever, something yeah, like okay. that, right? Yeah. And, um, but, but yeah, so the, but the comedy, the, what I get from confidence is that, um, I get, I, I, I know that I can do things, which is amazing. Right. But what I also get from my dad is that every day he would wake up and say, every day I'm a salesman, every day you got to go find work. Mm. And I was like, okay, so every day I find work. That's what's, that's what standup comedy is, you know? And I have so many friends who are like, well, I emailed that guy. He never emailed me back. And I said, did you email him every three months for six years? Cause mm-hmm. that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was a club in, in Austin, Texas, uh, uh, owned by Dennis Miller's brother, Rich Miller. And I, he gave me my, one of my first paid gigs in Minneapolis and he owns that club and I worked for him on and off for a little bit. And then I would send him my avails, my availabilities. Um, every six months and he never booked me and he didn't book me and I would send him. And then every second or third email I would put in the, in the subject line, how about now? Or are we booking me yet? And, but then the other two emails would be like avails, avails. And it was always polite. I would always tell yeah. him whatever new credit I, if I had a new credit. That, and that, the fact of it being a, a, every third email is important. Like yes. that's a really like, because not, you, that is a very good management of a relation of a prospective relationship. Right. It wasn't. It was jackassy. Not just being a dick. But it wasn't. It wasn't a dick every time. Yeah. It was just a. Hmm, how about no? And uh, so, six years, he. You know, and I would get an email from him maybe every year, year and a half, saying, "Oh, I don't have anything. I'm so sorry." And then, like the sixth year of me doing that, he emails me and he goes. And this is this is a good this is a good story. I'm still emailing a uh, half a dozen the Draft House in DC. They have never booked me. Uh, they get an email every six months. And uh, <laughs> but the but in, after six years with these guys with with Rich, he sent me an email. And he said, you know, you send me your email, your avails every six months, and I never do book you. And I'm really, you know, you know, I think you're funny, Jackie. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Uh, he knows that other people think I'm funny yes. and he doesn't want to offend and he and he thinks I'm funny, but he doesn't think. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's trouble. But the, <laughs> the thing is, he goes, you know, I think I'm funny, but you can't fill the room. I need to fill the room. I need to book comics who fill the room. Well, I sat on it for a day. I always recommend that, you know, because you really just want to fire back and go, no, you don't. You don't mm-hmm. like me. And blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I waited a day. I sent an email back and I said, Rich, it's your club. You know, obviously you're going to book who you want to book, but I will, I will posit that you book a lot of comics who cannot fill that room, um, because you really like their standup. And I say, if you booked me regularly, I could build an audience and start to fill that room. So it would be great if you thought to give me that opportunity, but I understand if you don't want to do that, it's still your club. Here's what I, and then I said, I, if you think you will ever book me. I will continue to send you avails for the next 20 years. If you don't think that you'll ever book me, I I can stop. That's fine. It's your call, and I totally respect – I mean, I get it. And so he emailed me right back, and he goes, 
well, this was a very nice email. I'm going to think about it. And four days later, he booked me. And then he booked me twice a year for four years. And so I do have a draw. He hasn't booked me this year. But he... Uh, but I'm, he, I'm yeah. just... That is so inspiring. I just want to make it clear to my listeners, you are not allowed to copy that text word for word. If you want to, you can copy the approach. You can, but <laughs> yeah, you can, and, and the thing is, is you made... Yeah, just make it your own. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, yeah, yeah and, you can, and this this is incidentally this is your congratulations for listening. To, if you're listening in the UK and you're a comic, this is your congratulations. Is you're well done for listening to someone you haven't necessarily heard. Of. Oh my god! Don't I, tell the others. I, well, I have a I have a um, I did a podcast fest. I did a, a stand up festival called the Women in Comedy Festival okay. in Boston. They named it that accidentally and because uh, they were like because they book men. Okay, and uh, they were like. I don't know. We just thought we wanted to book a lot of women headliners, so we called it the Women in Comedy Festival, and then we realized we couldn't get any advertisers. Oh and, my god! Uh, right. Okay. And so now they're well, four that years. That wasn't even the issue. I thought you were. Gonna, I wasn't even going to ask about that. Like, how do you just to briefly yeah. digress? How do you feel about a something calling itself the Women in Comedy Festival? It's a freak show. It's a. Uh, I. Right. I will work as as I have told every women chick shtick, ladies of laughter. Uh, I don't have a penis festival, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I just I just want to do stand up, right? Yeah. And everybody just wants to do sure. stand up. And there are a lot of white guys doing stand up. There is a weird, uh, you know, and and there and some white guys don't get it, or they. I mean, because it none of it's easy. And so you could talk to a white guy and they'll be like, well, nobody's handing me 20s under the table. I don't know when you, you think that I'm just getting, you know, it's just coasting. And I'm like, no, no one's saying that. No one's saying, it's just saying that it's hard for everyone and then put another layer on it. Mm-hmm. You're a black lesbian, mm-hmm. right? That's, you will get freak show vote work easily, right? You will get MC work. You'll get feature work. You it will be harder for you to get headline work as a woman, as a black man, as a black woman, as a gay person, as a person with a limp. What I mean, whatever weird, because the thing is, is white men are just more powerful in general in society. So when you meet a white guy and he's really, really funny, you're like, oh, I want to see I want to mm. that guy can close mm-hmm. easily. But you meet you know, a black woman or a regular white lady walking around, you're like, oh, she is really funny. I'm going to, I'm going to feature her. It's going to be great. And then we're going to close with that really powerful white guy. And and everybody's funny and everybody's good, but, and I will always do your freak show, by the way. If you have a freak show that involves me getting 10 minutes of stage time, uh, Jackie at JackieCation.com. So, uh, but the, uh, but I, but it is weird because you, you're like, well, just book funny comics. But try to mix it up. Do try to mix it up because – and it's also a numbers game. There's a 1,000 white guys doing comedy and there's a 100 women doing comedy. 90% of both of them blow. 10% of both of them are good to amazing. And just find – so when you go see a woman comic, the odds are you're going to see a mediocre comic. That is uh, uh, characteristically uncompromising. 90% of them blow. Chances are you're going to go see someone mediocre. Yeah. Do you think those numbers are... It's completely arbitrary. Yeah, okay. okay. I mean, I I pulled it out of my ass. But the thing is, is I believe it with all of my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I believe I am right (laughs) because that is my nature. But it is... It, I mean, so like, like, a, so I did the Women in Comedy so Festival, yeah, and yep. she asked me to do a seminar. She's like, "Could you do a?" And I said, "About 
what? And she said, well, what do you think you have to share with young comics? And I said, well, I could do a seminar how to book shitty one-nighters and, uh, in, any, in any city in the world. And she's like, oh, my God, they would love to. They would absolutely yeah. love that. Who doesn't want to sit through that? <laughs> yeah. And so I did. I made this seminar, and, uh, and I've now put it up, I believe, three times. I've done it once at a, a Chicago comedy festival, once in Boston, and I think I did it somewhere else. I don't know where. I think I'm doing it in Atlanta this year. And it's and I don't want it to become like a weird money-making thing okay. because I want to give back. Yeah. Uh, so I think... Good for you, the instinct, my instinct was like, you should pay all that. No, right. But well, and, good to give back. And, well, I mean, I think there's... If it's not crazy, right? I think the Boston one or the maybe the Seattle, the Portland... I don't... One of them charged what felt like almost that too much, right? I think it was like 20 bucks. Mm. And I was like, hmm... How about 10? 10 seems fair. And because you're, you know, and, uh, and if I, and, and then I like to, and because I also don't know, I've only put it up three times, right? So how good is it, right? I mean, everyone who's, who I, I've gotten emails from people saying, well, that was good. That was actually very helpful. And what I do is I hand out sort of a cover letter template. It's just like when you write your, your CV, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have a cover letter. Just because you're doing stand-up and you're an artist uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't read something out loud before you send it to somebody. Because yeah, yeah. if you read it out loud, you will hear the crazy talk. You'll hear what the hell, you know, you'll hear your punctuation errors. You'll see as you read it out loud that you didn't put a T on the the because of typo. You'll find a, t- you know, you'll just, and yeah, so whatever. But uh, to, it's... But that's that's the kind of – it's how to book – because I can't. I can book a shitty one-nighter anywhere in the world. I did one in Hong Kong last year. So huh? you're the, – the confidence with which you have approached the whole business, was that – like, because you can be as confident as you want yeah. and go out and do a gig. And it's not necessarily going to go well just because you're confident. Sometimes it oh, will. Oh, my God. Like, have you dragged yourself through tough gigs or did it work from the start? Oh, well, no, how did you did not put work yourself together as a comedian? Well, here's the, the, the confidence thing I've only embraced probably in the last five or ten years. Because prior to that, it felt like sales. And I didn't want to go into sales. Yeah. It was from a babyhood. I was like, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my siblings. Uh, I don't care about money. I'm gonna. I'm an artist. I'm gonna do stand up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a day job forever, and just do stand up because it's an art, and I believe uh, in it. And then eventually someone will care, and they'll hand me a bag of money as a doorstop, and then I won't have to worry about money. But until then, and then about ten years ago, I was like. No, it's also a business, and I get to make money doing it, and it doesn't affect, you know, you still have to write, and you still have to do stand-up, and you still have to care about the art of it, but it is a, it is a skill that has value. So that, that was when I really embraced it, the sort of the, the business side of it. The, okay. For 20 years, I just did it. Like you do it. And then and then you meet somebody who says, oh, I have a shitty one-nighter out in Mankato, Minnesota. Do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I do. And okay, it pays $50, but you have to drive the headliner. Okay, I will do that. And uh, and so that's why I had a day job. I had a day job until 2003 okay. when I got my half hour special on Comedy Central. And I that so that actually was 12 years ago. That's when I made a conscious decision that I would treat it as a business. And I was like, okay, so wake up, send out your avails, make the calls, fix your website, make sure things are all right. And then I started. 
I even embraced the idea of merch in 2006. Okay. Yeah, 2007. And we're sat next to a, a pile of extremely good-looking merch. Right, You've got because good merch. I have good merch because I have been in sales since I was a baby. Yeah. And uh, I... I put myself through college selling T-shirts. And so uh, that was the last thing I wanted to do in stand-up. Okay. To be anywhere near a T-shirt table. Sure, and, sure. <laughs> but then, and I and I sold seconds in a regulars, toddler made, you know, just the biggest sweatshop, rip-off bullshit in the world. So these, every piece of my merch is union made in the United States by people with dental. Mm. Uh, please have a dental plan. And uh, so, and the designs are fan art. Yes. Let's talk about the writing. Let's talk about, um, you say you, you've covered the sexual healing bit. I've not heard that nerdist interview, but I will, will steer clear of that bit. Let's, if that's been, if that's been yeah. covered elsewhere. Let's, do you have a similar approach to writing? You get up in the morning, you do your avails, and then you do your hours at the desk. How mm. does that, talk to me about the writing. The writing is uh, more organic, right? Like something, uh, um, I don't know how other, how a lot of other comics, but but I have notebooks, you know? Some comics write on their phones and, and tablets and stuff, but I still use notebooks, and, um, and I write longhand, but it's all bullet points. It's not... It's not prose, you know? I do some storytelling, and that's prose. But stand-up, it's... Uh, like Andy said a very funny thing the other day. And so I... Uh, so he says a funny thing, my husband, and then I look for the punchline. Can, can you tell us what that thing was? Yes. Can we... Let's explore so this specific example. This specific example, and it's a short one, too, which is nice, But because uh, most of my jokes are eight minutes when they start. A year and a half later, they're three and a half minutes. Okay, uh, so okay. it is a weeding, weeding, weeding process. So the... And mostly done on stage. So the... Um, so Andy, we're sitting around, and he says... And this is my first relationship. I was alone for many years. And, uh, and then I would just get laid because I thought that's what comics did. And so I decided to get a boyfriend. And so I did online dating and I lucked out and it all worked out. Right. And I'm a beacon of hope. But anyway, so Andy and I are sitting around and he is normal and has had relationships, long ones, short ones. He's a grown up man. Very exciting. <laughs> and uh, so he says, <laughs> just out of the blue, he goes, you know, sometimes when you're in a relationship for a long time, the mystery can be lost in a relationship. But I just want you to know that I was just staring at you thinking, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> 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 and so I do not stop laughing. And so I told that story on stage. And now the only punchline I've got so far for it is, so, hey, guys, the mystery's still there. I still got the mystery. That's my punchline. Yeah, so, yeah. and Which is just a sweet punchline to begin with. So sure. there might be more to it. Okay. But it's, um, and it's part of a larger chunk about stuff. But, but, what, but I was telling you before we started recording is I do a thing that I invent that I didn't invent. It was uh, Maria and I. Because I've been friends with Bamford since uh, Maria Bamford, a great mm. comic, everyone. She's the best working comic She's today. She's phenomenal. Amazing. And and we are in a golden age of stand-up comedy. There is so much great comedy out there. There's and But she is currently my favorite comic. And she's also one of my best friends, so whatever. Take that with a grain of salt. But the thing is, is I get to write with her sometimes. And uh, where you just call, we do Joke Machine. In person, over the phone, never in writing. Not like email. It's always because... With stand-up, you want to hear yourself say the words. And so Joke Machine is you tell a person that you're playing with. Then the only rule of Joke Machine, by the way, is that you have to say, if you don't get it, mm. 
Mm-hmm. If you don't get a why someone would talk about something as mm-hmm. horrible as whatever they're talking about, you don't say the hell you want to do a joke about that for. Okay, you don't you, say that. Yeah, you cannot. Okay. It's it's a yes and situation. Okay, you okay. have to say, at the very least, you have to say there's something there. Okay, that's a good. That's a great premise. And um, and so what you do is you tell your version of the joke, and then they say there's something there. And then you explore together other angles, what the person thought about. Okay. Like, um, like I'm working, I was just doing it with Aaron Foley and with Maria. And so, you know, uh, Maria will tell me a story, you know, she's locked up in the, in the, in the Huskow. Mm-hmm. She got put in the psych ward. And, uh, and so she's like, so I'm thinking of doing a joke about the psych ward. At which point you go, what? What's happening? You, you, uh, you, you're going to tell people you're in the psych ward? And she's like, yeah, well, what the hell? Yeah. And uh, what, what, I'm going to keep it a secret and then it's going to be a thing? And uh, <laughs> she's like, I'm just going to talk about it. Okay. And so I'm going to talk about the psych ward and you're like, well, who else was in this? You know, and she's like, she's got one funny joke about the psych ward, about how a friend of hers came to visit her in the psych ward and was a disaster of a visitor. But... No one else came to visit. So she's like, you're horrible, but come again tomorrow because yeah, nobody's okay, visiting me, okay. right? So that's the joke. And then I say back something like, well, who else is in the psych ward? Like, are you meeting other, are you meeting nice people? Is there mm. anything weird going on? She's like, well, there's that weird old guy without any pants. And uh, and then she tells oh, me. Oh, is this, and this turned into a bit about her smo- having a smoking break outside. Were the guys walking around yes. smoking? Yeah, and yeah, the I've heard the bit. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah. So she's got that bit. And then, so, and uh, and I was just doing it with uh, Aaron Foley, where I've got this weird bit that I haven't tried on stage yet. It's just, uh, or twice at open mic, but it's about how I don't, I'm trying to figure, I, I'm trying, I want to be a good friend. But I've never known how to be a good friend, so it's a learned, and it's a learned, I did not know. When I was a child, I had an imaginary friend, and then, uh, for way too long. And then, uh, when I was 14, uh, a teacher said to me, when I was boo-hooing about not having a friend, she said, she did that thing that adults do when they talk to children, and children say something that you're like, I I don't know how to fix this, you're a child. Mm. It's one of those things you have to live through. Mm. And she just got aside, and she said, you don't have any friends. And I said, no, I don't have any friends. And she goes, are you friendly? And she blew my mind because I was not a friendly child. And she said, that's how you get friends. Weird. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, you got, you got to be friendly. And that's how you get friends. And it is genuinely <laughs> the first step to becoming friends with somebody. That's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. 14 what years old. What a thing to say to a kid. She, it was, it, I don't even know. I, I, I can't remember her name, but it was an amazing thing because from 14 till now, low these many years, I have friends because of that woman saying that. So uh, the rest of the joke has to be about, and this is, I was talking to Erin about this, yes. and she was like, well, what, how, what are your conversations? And I'm like, yeah, my conversation skills are still not great. I literally, I can't take silence. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) Uh, But I'm not good with silence. So if there's a pause, I will literally start doing either my own material or I will tell you about a great, and I'm better about now. I'm just like, 
nobody wants to hear you work jokes into conversations. So here's a better conversation skill is to say, have you heard Baron Vaughn's new joke? It's amazing. Okay. And Or I saw Lori Kilmartin the other night. She has this great new bit she's working on. And so that'll – it's sort of water cooler talk. I mean it's very much yes. up so here. I, I, so the idea of the joke machine is that you – you just help each other by saying, yes, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. What else could you explore about that? Yes. How about this? How about this? So they're not trying to write jokes for or with you. They're just no. helping you. Yeah. Excuse and me, helping it, you explore the territory. If you have a tag, you can tell them. Sure. And say, uh, like I have a joke about uh, Indian casinos mm-hmm. and, fa- and uh, Native American fast food and Native American frozen food. And my buddy Augie Smith came up with the fact that the frozen food aisle is already a trophy case to American imperialism. Okay. That was yeah. his line uh, or some variation. We worked on that together, but that was, it was the nugget was his. And he was like, what about that? And I was like, that's the greatest line ever. Yeah. I, I'll, 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 can I use that? And he's like, yeah, of course. Okay. And so, yeah, you can end up writing jokes, uh, lines for people, but it's, but the idea is but actually the bigger idea, and and that's actually that feels like a more second creative process because yeah. you're not worrying about writing your own jokes or writing jokes for someone else. Yeah, you're just asking what you mean. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Explore. What about this avenue? What about that avenue? Sure. This made me think of. Well, what did? How did your family react? Or how did you know? What do you? Uh, you know, I have a t- new time travel joke, and uh, it's about how. Um, that's how we're going to kill each ourselves as a as a as a we're going to extinct ourselves. I don't think that's how it's put <laughs> by uh, by event, inventing time travel. We're going to line up like lemmings and then tell the time travel machine where. Oh, I've always wanted to see pirates and dead off because <laughs> we will go back in time and look at dinosaurs and be eaten by them. Yes. Okay. And one after another is just like my parents came over. My great grandfather was in the potato famine. What's that like? starved to death yeah yeah and yeah, you're okay. like i don't know how to camp you don't know how to sail you're dead you don't know <laughs> i i couldn't even go back to the and someone was like who i don't know who i was playing joke machine with it was like could you even go back to the 80s and i was like nice. i couldn't find anybody without my cell phone and yeah, uh, right. you know okay and what if okay. somebody smoked in front of me oh my god the horror yes and, yes yes okay <laughs> so you just get to yeah you just keep keep generating yeah, you and generate by asking questions take all the stuff about. about the premise. How should we go back? best go back into this? Because my next question was going to be, you mentioned the fear of silence. Or not the fear, but you don't, yeah, yeah. you like to fill it in. Terrifying. And then I, I go <laughs> off for a wee and I come back and you're talking into the mic. <laughs> so even on your own in the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, do not do not think I don't talk to myself. This is I, I'm I'm not beholden to the idea that all comedians are secretly depressed. Much okay. though a and decent I, a decent I, percentage I of us are depressed. But that's because I'm human. But I don't have depression. Sure, sure, right. Um, but I, what I would say is that the one of the most defining elements of most of my interviews, like the majority of comedians I speak to. Whether we talk about it or not, I certainly very often get a sense that comedians don't like there to be silence. Oh, yeah. I should say people with the personality types that led them to become a comedian don't often don't like there to be silence. But think about guys like um, Stuart Lee Mm -hmm. or Tig Dataro, who isn't a guy. But if you think, I mean, the celebration of silence in Stuart's set is amazing. 
Yes. Like, as he can just sit there. It's, well, we, I mean, we were talking before about uh, Vonda's, uh, Vanda? Vanda. Vanda Mi- Michaels. Yeah. Vanda Michaels. So yeah. I've, I took a picture of that, and okay. if it's okay with you, I'll put it on the and site. It's, it's, on, it's on my site oh, as a, as a it. document that I've I'll link to it. It's, uh, yeah, inspirational quote, uh, jackiecation.com slash inspiration. And it's, uh, it's called uh, How to Be a Zen Comic. Now, I, I would almost, just the idea of Zen made me think of levels in that people like Tig and Stuart are... Mm-hmm. I feel like there, there has to be... It can't be coincidence that people who are capable of such f- just brilliant, brilliant comedy, yeah. just such interesting, invigorating, different, dangerous, exciting comedy are both people who are comfortable with silence. Yeah. And they find the stuff, they, they are there. They're not going, I've got to think of more things to say. I've got to fill the space, yeah. do some more jokes. Stick, stick, stick. They're going, right, here we are. Mm-hmm. There's you, there's me. And there's silence, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. And then that enables them to explore further somehow, and to kind of make jokes that play with and punctuate rhythm and the expectation yeah, they, they, of a crowd. They, they pull out of that silence different things. Yes, that is amazing. Yes, that I do not. Uh, but they... I don't either. And the, I can think of maybe three gigs in the last ten years where I have really genuinely not known what I was going to say next. Just odd little gigs, like there's one in the classic in New Zealand where I just was in a funny mood and so I didn't do my stuff. I just went out and sort of looked at them and said something and had the most, you know, like a revolutionary like moment. Or... where you No, no, not set list, just a, a regular oh. set in a, in a mixed bill where oh, okay. I just thought, yeah, I'm just going to sort of muck about. Okay. And, and rather than, like, I've had certainly, uh, when I've been hosting, I, I will, and sometimes during sets, I will have had high-energy improvisation states. Yeah. Oh, wow. And these are two or three ever, like, low in, not low energy, but, but not being afraid of silence improvisation states. Yeah, yeah. And after each one, I've gone off going, I'm going to change what I do completely. This is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> and then the next gig, I've tried to do something similar and it's bombed mm. and I've gone, whoa, pull back to the act. Exactly. Something go about, to the vault. Yeah, go to the <laughs> vault. Go to the vault. Something about having the... The confidence to not go to the vault. Yeah. Is that something that you that's, it's, would it, like it to be more confident in? Well, that's why I do set list. You know, I love, I love that premise of, of not knowing what the next premise is. And I know that, I know that Troy has brought it. Troy Conrad and Paul Provenza have brought it to the UK. Have you got to see yes, it? Yes, I've or? done, I've done set list. Okay. Ago. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I like I, it. I should say, I'm just having said, I did it a few years ago. The alert, uh, the eagle-eared listener could think, oh, obviously it didn't go very well. <laughs> it's, uh, it was terrifying. I enjoyed it enormously, but they didn't give me a time limit. I asked and they said, oh, just do the cards. And I accidentally did 17 minutes and I'm ashamed to return because I feel like they'll be, you know. Oh, and they don't remember. Don't yeah, worry. Fine, fine, yeah, fine, fine, yeah. fine. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying that's, that's why I, I enjoyed it. It was frightening. I would do it again, but I've always been slightly bashful about it. Right, because yeah, you're like, oh, I went a little long. Like, yeah, by all means <laughs> die, but don't die for 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Every time, every time it's not gone well, it's only in front of industry. Yeah, uh, it has okay. to be in front of like somebody who gives a damn. It's um, that's interesting. That yeah. thing of when it's important, I choke. Yeah, that, that yep. I'm, I've mm-hmm. certainly experienced that. That's very hard to get. Yep. You have all your playful, fun gigs, and mm-hmm. you walk on. You don't play anymore because you're like, I better do the best stuff. And by attempting to do the best stuff, what's good about you goes. Bleh. Right, which is one of the things on Vanda's thing. The last advice is have fun. Do even auditions for the fun of it. Mm. That's the best advice ever. Yes. Because, it, uh, you know, like all advice, ever, all advice, enormously simple. 
Not easy, never easy, but simple. Very straightforward, very, you know, it's a sentence. Do everything for fun. And uh, sure, sure I will. In other news, I have to pay my rent. So, um, yes. but but it is it is the greatest thing to work on because... Let's stick it's with so silence. Good. I agree with you about fun, yeah. but let's stick with silence and your specific fear of silence, either conversation. If it or isn't on going well, if it, it on, on stage, if there's if the audience isn't laughing, I speed up, and I will. I have done thirty minutes of material in twenty minutes. I have done forty minutes of material in twenty minutes. I have done. I'm just like, you can laugh later. Assholes! Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just yeah. gonna tell every joke I could think of for a long time, okay. and then um, I would like every note I've ever received from my dad or from anyone. And um, take, do take that if you need to. I, I I don't know who that is. <laughs> so, uh, but every every, every note because my what my father does as a salesman is if he watches me do stand up comedy. We go out to dinner, and I get 45 minutes worth of notes about the show. The show. And the hilarious thing about it is that they're always good notes. They're, okay. It's an always an irritating 45 minutes, and he's always correct. And the first note has always been, slow down. Let him, let him hear you. Let him get the jokes. I was like, yeah, but I got this other joke. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, and uh, they'll come back. They'll come back and see you again and again and again. And I'm like, all right, all right. And, uh, but I don't, if I can, I, I, it, it's something I've actually been working on lately, but I haven't been very successful with it, which is to slow down. And, and I find that very hard. I find a gig that I did recently was a very important gig, not in an industry way, but in a kind of, you yeah. know, my personal cool excitement kind of cool yeah. kid thing. Yeah. And, uh, I, was I had 10. I thought I had five. I got there, I found out I had 10. And uh, I was rigorously going through, I want to do that bit and that bit. I want to do these three fives in my 10. Yep. No, these three fours in my 10. <laughs> they will not fit. And the instinct, I was, I was thinking about it earlier this morning. I saying, what is that, that instinct to go, I want to do all of my showing off or I want to prove that I'm not just... I'm not just eight minutes good. I'm 12 minutes good. You know what I mean? I want to do all the yeah, stuff. I've, whereas actually they would benefit those from... Those four sentences? I live those four sentences. Yeah, I want to prove my... Those are the... And yeah. Yes. So <laughs> what, And actually what would be better for that 10 minutes for that crowd would be is if you did that four, pick your best four and do it really slowly. But right. there is an instinct of going like, no, 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 but I, I, have, to, I have to prove. Right. What do you have to prove? To whom? Yes. Mostly to yourself. And it is, you know, uh, I just got this phone. It's an it's an older iPhone, but previously I'd had just a burner phone and my iPad. Mm. But it turns out the iPhone 4 has a voice recorder on it. And I haven't recorded my sets in years. Since I got this phone, I've started recording them and listening to them. Yeah. Which is crazy because my, my car uh, has Bluetooth. So I can listen to, I can tape it and then I can play it and listen to it as I go home. Which, uh, of course, makes me... Uh, more bored of the bit quicker, but the bit gets better faster sure. because you're listening to it and you're like, oh, that line doesn't work. That line does work. Oh, I forgot to do that part of the joke. I got to do that part of the joke. But that the thing that you just talked about just happened to me la uh, night before last at LA Podfest. I thought I would get to do eight to ten minutes at the stand-up show at the Podfest. Um, and so I asked Dave, Anthony, and he goes, oh, 15s. 
I don't, I don't like 8 to 10. Nobody, that's not fun for anyone. Do 15, 12 to 15. And I was like, oh, my God, then I could do all four of my brand new exactly. six-minute bits. <laughs> all four of your six-minute, four times six is 24 minutes, Jackie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Feel free to do some math. And so I did three. I did the three, and then I closed on an old one. Just to, I did the Indian casino bit just because uh, I was like, close on, give the people, because that's the other thing that drives me nuts sometimes is I want to work on new material. But if everyone in front of me is doing new material and I feel bad for the audience and I'm like, they deserve, yeah. they, they've come out to see stand up. Is that connected to what we're talking about? I'm just trying to sort of probe at that a little more. So I feel self esteem wise. Well, yes, I think it's l- maybe. I would posit, uh, to use your expression, um, that maybe it's less to do with... That's the thing I tell myself all the time. If I'm emceeing a gig, which works differently in the UK, as you will know, the host comes mm-hmm. off and on frequently rather than just opening the show. Right, right. So um, uh, I will take a lot of responsibility. I have to stop myself doing this. I noticed myself doing this a few years ago. I take a huge amount of responsibility for the night. I can't do a new bit because of them, because I, you know, for the, right. it's, I, the night is on There's my shoulders. Ego. And well, it's part ego, but it's also part. Uh, but like, I feel bad for the audience, but but there is part of me that's like, no, these people deserve stand up comedy, and I'm really good at this. Let's show them. Yes, but then I think also it's like in the way that like I stopped smoking through using the Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking book, where it basically <laughs> says the only way to give up is recognize that you're a, a nicotine addict for the rest of your life, and you have to stay away from nicotine for the rest of your life because otherwise you will convince yourself that it's fine to have a cigarette now. Uh-huh. It's absolutely fine to just one. Uh, someone's broken up with me. I've got a broken heart. I had a really bad gig. That's a good reason to smoke. No, that's a lie you're telling yourself so that your body can get the nicotine. Okay. So in that same way maybe these guys deserve a good night out i mean obviously they do but right. the people who are trying new stuff didn't have a problem with that maybe maybe these people deserve a good night out is a lie we tell ourselves so that we can stay safe and get oh. what we want rather than well, that's an interesting premise and be more yeah yeah do you know what i mean and, and be, become a Stuart lee or a tignataro mm-hmm. whereby we go no it doesn't yes they deserve a good night but what they what they we came all deserve out for. is what they want to see is me pushing myself rather than me staying comfortable and giving them a good time. Yeah, very um, possible. Let the record show that uh, Jackie was checking. It was deciding was, she was my, screening a call there, not stunned into silence by right, how sister. incredibly intelligent my theory was. <laughs> right. No, it is. I it's, was it's really going to sound like you're like, wow, deep. You blew my mind, man. You blew my mind, Stu. It's uh, but the. Do you see what I mean? I, though? No, our, I do. Yours and my personality types, I think, would be susceptible to that kind of mental trick of going, right? these guys need a thing, so I won't push myself as hard right. as I it could plus, push myself. It, it's, it, it, I, yeah, it's part of all of that. I want to be liked. I want them to have a good time. I don't want to uh, eat it on top of... Like, I think, to some extent, I feel like if all, everyone's done new material and some of it's worked, some of it hasn't, and I go up and do new material that may or may not work, the to milk the goodwill of the audience... Maybe there's no more goodwill left. So I won't get a real read on the new bit. Yes. That's what I, t- that, yes. that might be part of what I'm thinking too. Yes. But I'm that, justifying does that, does my, it. Does my theory absorb that idea as well? I think it Maybe. might do. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, cause it's also a safety net too. Cause you're like, well, I'm not going to get a real read, but maybe you'll get the realest read. Maybe because if you yeah, can make those people, unless it's amazing, 
then they're going to yes. laugh their fool and, heads and off. And let's not, you can, we can tell ourselves how an audience behaves, what an audience is like, these guys aren't ready for this, you know, these, these guys are too tired for that, they've had enough of this. Actually, we know that an audience can spin on a dime. Right. You know what if, I mean? If, that they can, if, if, if with the right joke, something. with the right thing, the right discovery, mm-hmm. a t- inverted commas tired audience can go, oh no, actually we're an incredibly alive and vibrant <laughs> audience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's what exactly. So your, there's another bit of material that I, I particularly uh, enjoyed was uh, the story of the the spooky reading girl. Oh, spooky reading girl. Spooky reading girl. This sure. A, and it didn't go where I thought it was going. And let's talk about that in, where in the did view you think of your it was fan going? base. Well, okay. So in brief, from my from my memory of the story, yeah, yeah. you are a kid. Your household is rough. There's a bit of hitting, mm-hmm. and then the hitting stops. Mm-hmm. You say it very. I, I I won't murder the bit. I would like people to listen to the bit. It's on the Horcrux album. It's fantastic. Um, but you have we've established that you in the story are used to a bit of physical rough and tumble mm-hmm. and have decided instead to get into reading. Yes. And there's a lovely phrase about... No, it doesn't matter. I, I, would, I would butcher it. Um, so you then go to school and there you're the spooky reading girl. Right. And you're always into reading. And then a friend or sort of a potential friend says, right. will you stand next to me for moral support whilst I get beaten up after school by this girl? Yes. And you go along and you're like, okay, fine. And you're, you're reading. reading and the fight doesn't happen because everyone's freaked out that the spooky reading girl is there. Right, right. Where I thought it was going to go yeah. was that someone pushes you. And we know that the character of Jackie in this story is accustomed to a bit of rough and tumble. Yes. I thought the spooky reading girl was going to unload some whoop-ass in the fight oh, I situation. Do. What happened was is there was a lot of hitting and then there was no hitting. And we were all told that there was no hitting. In the family. In the family. So we all dealt with it differently. My yes. brothers turned to drugs, alcohol, and the ladies. I turned to reading, and then I just read all the time, all the time, all the time reading. And then um, when I was in eighth grade, a girl came up to me. I was about 13, and she said that the burnout girls, the mean girls, were going to beat her up after school. Would I come and stand next to her while it happened? And I was like, why would that be something? And she's like, you don't have to fight. It would just be for moral support. Mm. Uh, and I was like, Okay, so I go and I'm standing next to her and we're all waiting for the fight to begin. And I'm reading while I'm waiting for the fight to begin. And the fight never began because everybody was creeped out because Spooky Reading Girl was there. Uh, and everyone was like, what the hell is she doing here? And why is she reading? And I ruined three fights with this technique. <laughs> Two other girls asked me if I would stand next to them until um, the burnout girls were like, we're going to beat you up. We've had enough of this nonsense. And so... Uh, Vicky Ambert started pushing me around, and, uh, and I, I was like, no, no, why? I don't fight. I'm, there's no, I'm not allowed to fight. <laughs> and so they're pushing me, and a kid that was just watching accidentally pushed me and ripped my sweater. And he wasn't in the fight. I just ended up getting pushed into him. He pushed me back, and he ripped my sweater, and I lost my shit. I lost my tiny lizard mind, and I jumped on top of this kid, and I started choking him and slamming his head against the ground. And they were pulling on me, and they were like, you're killing him. And I said, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to kill him. Uh, he ripped my sweater. I had three sweaters. Me and my sister had three sweaters. We shared them. And then and then I told all of these kids, I said, you have to. I said, I will kill him unless you people ignore me for the rest of your lives. You can't talk to me. Yes. If you yes. see me, yes. you can never speak to me I again. Did. I, I absolutely, I remember the, yes. the bit now. Absolutely. And that worked until Facebook. Yes, okay. Asshole. Okay, so let's, let's look at that okay. in the context of... <laughs> You being the champion of the nerds. Oh, because right. 
it, there's a lovely line in your description of it. You like it, it's, you were reading a book. This person asked you for moral support, and you said that seemed like a friend. That seemed like something a friend in my book would do. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. which is lovely. So do, do, do we see the child you reading a book and going, yeah, I want to be like the people in the book because we we and by we I'm inserting myself into the yes. nerd community. There, yes, you know, we please. read a lot of books. If you've read all the Harry Potters and you mm-hmm. didn't feel dumb or embarrassed because they some of them are arguably aimed for children. Very much. But so. you, if you miss that, then yeah. you don't find out about Snape, which is one of the greatest reveals journeys in the world. ever. Yep. Um, so I'm, you know, I mean, yep. I might not be, uh, I, I'm not a, uh, like, I don't wear a lot of dorky t-shirts, but yep. I, I can pass. You yep. know? Sure, sure. So what? I say we, I can imagine myself reading that book and I can imagine myself as that friend. So what I'm trying to do now is get inside the mind of the nerd uh, army for whom you are the champion. Your, okay. Your, your Dork Forest podcast right. listeners. Right, right, the and Rangers. some of the people, the Rangers, yep. love it. The, the people who, some of whom have been at the festival this weekend. Yeah, yeah. People who are arguably misfits or dorks or nerds or whatever. What we want, what we all dream about is behaving like the person in the book. What we all dream about is being the good person who has the secret power from their past, who when pushed unleashes the power and overcomes. Right, right, right. And that story yeah. is exactly yeah, that story. It is. That story is a coming-of-age story. Yes, it is. It's I am Atreus in the never-ending story. Yes. Yeah, that is hilarious. Yes. Okay. And that, and that I think, is... Not Atreus, the is, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Atreus is the hero. You'll get e- yeah. I'll get emails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... The uh, so it's it's to do with that, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You're we're living through you. We the, the there's the reveal. They're um, like, yeah, I am a coach. It's potato, narratively sa- It's not just but- comically satisfying. It's narratively <laughs> satisfying, and we're all going, yes, yes, yes Jackie, <laughs> you beat the shit out of that kid. We are right. safe in the knowledge that you will be removed from the kid, and the kid will all leave you <laughs> right. alone. Everyone lives. Yeah, everyone lives. No one is in. Uh, yeah, and so, there's no hitting in grown up land. Yes. So, yes. so here's the question. To what extent is your role as the the head ranger? Yes. To what extent is that, does that define you or do you allow that to define you or do you need to move beyond that? Is it, that you is know that what? It inspires, it, is, it, is, it inspires writing in that direction. You're right. Because of what you just said, that it, it does feel like a narrative. It is a joke and it is very funny, but it has a story and there's a narrative and there's a hero in it. And the response I get for that joke is incredibly satisfying. And people do kind of resonate with that joke and they come up to me and they're like, I was a spooky reading girl, which is why I have a spooky reading girl T-shirt uh, bec- and stickers to give people because people are like, I was... And librarians come up to me. So, but the... So I do write in that direction where I am, where someone should be the damn hero of some sort of weird nerd. That's, that's what the hero would say in a book. <laughs> Everyone would look around and they'd go, the bunch of kids would be there, a dragon would attack the school, and you would stick your chin out and go, well, someone's got to be the damn hero, and off you go into battle. Well, I don't know if it would be me. I would be like, who else would oh, like to I do Oh, I don't this? know about a dragon, a- but I tell you what, out of every, out of the hundred people or so I've met and had personal yeah. experiences this weekend, <laughs> if I'm trapped in a lift, you're getting me out of it. <laughs> 
I'm that person. I'll get everyone else out the right. list, but not if you're there. Right. I go, Jackie's got well, this. Well, you know, I got in a car accident this weekend. Oh, I, shit. No, yeah, I didn't Yeah, know I totaled my car driving back from the oh, LA podcast. you mentioned podcast. this because you lost your phone and you, hence the yes. burner and the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, Okay, so what it happened was, with the car? So it was a crazy weekend at the LA podcast You set the story up for me and I will see if I can... Uh, uh, Somebody said that there's one what you did. <laughs> right. Well, what the well, and it's I, I'm going to see a doctor tomorrow because I'm like, I freaking need a MRI. What the hell is happening in my world? So I'm driving to the LA Podfest on Friday and I get uh sideswiped accidentally by a kid in a in an SUV. And we pull over exchange info. He has put a small dent in my car. And uh, and we exchange info. We go to the podcast festival. I do. I do not know he is going to the podcast festival. He does not know I am going to the podcast festival. He likes my weird nerd shirt and asked me about it. It is a Penny Arcade fruit fucker shirt where a juicer is in love with an orange. Anyway, so uh, uh, we get there. I see him in line for one of the podcasts. I was like, Gage. Young Gage. Oh, Gage. Yeah, yeah, Gage. yeah. I've met Gage like 10 times this there weekend. There you go, because he was all you. over, right? Yes. He was the kid who hit me. He, oh and, my uh, God. He, was, like, he asked a question on every podcast he was in. Oh, that's He's funny. chatted to everyone in the line. He's definitely going to go far in some way. He's Hi, very, he's very... Of course uh, he was yes, the kid per- that hit you. Of course he was. <laughs> and so he hit me and he put... And I was trying to figure out a way that I could just get like a plunger and pull out the dent. So Because he is... He's a kid you want to help. And uh, and is. I felt bad that... Because uh, he was clearly he had his head up his ass and he accidentally hit me with his car so that was friday saturday morning i do doug benson's doug and kara's dine karen's dining with doug and i fall off stage uh because i'm going around i i go to sit in a chair doug says no sit on my side i go on you know it was one of those freestanding stages where there's a curtain behind yes, it and it yes. looks like the wall Okay, so I, step I heard. Off a, the end I of saw the a callback to this joke in the comedy film nerds podcast because they were all worried about Doug falling off the stage. Do continue. Fair enough. Go on. So, oh my god, that's hilarious. Well, that was my introduction to the podfest this weekend, and so I fall off and I hurt my knee. And, oh Christ! Uh, yeah, okay. Giant bruise and scratch. Okay, and uh, and my knee is swollen and it's fucked. But uh, the thing is, is, so that's Saturday morning. I do 19 podcasts that day. I do Doug. I do a bunch in the Pod Squared thing. I do my own podcast with Greg Proops at 4 p.m. The Dork Forest. I do 9 p.m. Mental Illness Podcast Festival podcast. What with mental Paul pod Gilmartin. with Paul Gilmartin? Great show. Uh, I do a stand up at 11 p.m. I'm driving from the Sofitel where the Podfest is to home at 12:30. I am going down Santa Monica giant intersection. I don't remember this, oh, man. but I clearly went through a, through a stoplight and plowed into a guy and then veer off missing two giant light poles and go into a bush and don't die. Nobody dies. When you Everyone's say a good. guy, you mean a guy in a car? A guy in a, a car. Okay. A guy in a car, yes. That is an excellent, uh, that is a good point. Uh, it's just a story machine. It's not joke machine, it's just story machine. We need to know that detail. Yeah. VW Passat. Okay. But I must have, at some point, like been stunned and out of it because all I remember, I don't remember seeing the car or the light being red. I remember hearing a crash, me veering to the right and and praying that I was pumping the brake and not hitting the poles. And then I remember a bush and then I'm sitting in my car and I think to myself, what the hell just happened? And then I'm like, well, get out of the car and see if you hurt anyone or if anyone is hurt. So I push out of the car. My door is bent. So I have to push out of the car. There must've been long enough because there's a guy standing behind my car and I go, we're both 
stunned, stunned, shock. We're in shock. So I say to the guy standing, tall guy in front of me, about 40, and I go, what happened? And he said, you blew a red light. And I go, did I hit anyone? And he raises his hand. Oh, my <laughs> God. Goes, me. You hit, you hit me in my car. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, are you okay? And I go, yeah. And um, we're standing there. And so what – and then there's two other guys. There's two other guys milling around. I was like, well, we should co- probably call the cops. And one of the guys goes, I'm calling the cops. And I said, what happened? And then all three of them say – you blew a red light. And I was like, well, I clearly must have blew a red light. Uh, and I was like, it's what, where's your car? And his car is in pieces all over the intersection, but he's pulled, pulled it forward and off to the side. And then my car remains in its, uh, the only good news is I wasn't on my phone. Couldn't mm-hmm. find it. Uh, it was, I left it at the podcast. Mm-hmm. Principal. I wasn't on my iPad. I wasn't even on my GPS. I don't know what the hell happened. I genuinely need some sort of MRI. But I don't um, – so I don't know. There was a point about being a hero in this thing. Yes. But uh, what, where did you think that story was going? Well, uh, yeah, I'm afraid it became very serious and I forgot yes. my earlier prediction. <laughs> <laughs> this is suddenly we were taken out of the – But my favorite thing was when he raised his hand. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yes, I don't know. I mean, in that situation, I you know, you're a good in a crisis sort of person. But if you're in shock, then I think we can – But here's the good news for Gage. You couldn't find that dent. That he put on my car because my car is totaled. <laughs> and, uh, so I ran into Gage yesterday in line for another podcast, I think, um, that uh, ego thing, super ego. Okay. And I said, hey, good news, Gage. <laughs> good news. <laughs> I smashed my your, car to pieces. Yeah, your, my car is totaled. Your dent no longer matters. And he was like, you're okay? And I said, yeah. And he goes, woohoo. <laughs> wow. So, so now we, we this the twist ending of this is that Gage is behind the red stoplight, oh, distracting you from seeing you the go. red stoplight mm-hmm. in order that you crash your sure, car. Sure, what happened there? Where did he come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, okay, okay. So we, we, we got onto this because of the be, idea of... Because of writing that spook, kind of... But, yeah. Yeah, so writing that bit, where does that bit go? Right? Yes. Like if I write the bit about being Well, tell me, there. what's your what's your instinct for that bit? In right? terms of you being the head ranger, yeah. Um, what what do you feel should happen if you're writing with your fan base in mind, with your persona in mind? Right, like one where, normally puts oneself as the victim, the stupid person, or there is another victim. It's someone else's did something wrong. Right, right. And, uh, like, and I am not the hero of that no. story. No, no. Uh, and that is ma- ma- many stories. That I'm not the hero of that story. Uh, but the uh, but the thing is, is so to try to figure out where can everyone relate. If that were a bit, right? If yes. A bit about me blowing, uh, blowing through. Uh, w- you know, where does that bit go? Why are those two old guys milling around? Was yes. I set up? Was it some sort of a? Was it? W- w- was it uh, some sort I, of scam? Because it what, was one what, o'clock in the morning. Why were they walking on Santa Monica and Rexford near nothing? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so in terms of making it relatable, though, like for me, the reason I couldn't really laugh at that story is because I'm. Well, I know it happened yesterday, but also uh, I'm I'm too concerned for your well-being to laugh. That's what's oh, getting right. in the way of the joke for right, me. Right, right. Well, that's because and and also even if you're completely physically fine now, yeah, I'm concerned as to why you didn't notice the red light. Have you got a brain tumor? Right, you know what right, I mean, like, right. that's, that's, that's exactly. the whole kind of no kidding. Me too. Yeah, I'm, right. I mean, that's that's why there's I mean, it's time plus tra- tragedy plus time equals your comedy, comedy. Comedy, yeah, yeah, yeah tragedy whatever. Plus time. Yeah, and so there's there has to be. A resolution. I mean, the two the two things that came out of it when I was telling Andy because Andy came and picked me up from this horrible thing, and we're driving home, and 
that I don't like that car very much. I just bought it three months ago. Okay. So if it is totaled, I'm kind of okay with it. Okay. Even though mm, it's kind of disappointing uh, financially. But, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but the thing is, uh, that car has been a bit of a, a pain in the ass. Okay. Because the mileage is really bad for some reason. So would you, looking at your, <laughs> your instincts of how this could become comedy, a, a, how this could become comedy. <laughs> So two questions really. One, what's the process? Do you take it on stage and simply tell the story at an open mic and see what comes out of it? Or kind do of. you sit and do bullet points first? Well, um, I think... Do you tell it to more friends socially for I have a, a set tonight, okay. for example, and it's a storytelling show, so it is not a stand-up show. So I w- this, this would be the perfect night to try it mm-hmm. because a storytelling show, those bastards don't care. They don't need a punchline. And what if, it, what if I find a punchline? Because I oftentimes do find a punchline in the telling of the bit mm-hmm. on stage. And um, the other thing I do is I, yeah, if I don't have someone to play joke machine with, I'll work it out on stage. Okay. And I'll think about it a fair amount. You know that, that old joke from, uh, from in the 90s? A lot of comics were doing jokes about how women are always asking men what they're thinking about. They're always yeah. asking men what they're thinking about. Stop asking us what we're thinking. We're not thinking about anything. We're not thinking about anything. Beer, the remote, leave us alone. And so I never, when I started going out with Andy, I never asked him what he was thinking about <laughs> because I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to ask him what he's thinking about. Yes, and, I, that's, a, that's a, a trope of yours is the fact that there was no, Andy was your first relationship. Yeah. Um, that you only learnt how you were supposed to, how society thought you would behave as a girlfriend right. through stand-up comedy, through stand- which through- is a terrible way to live your life. <laughs> Don't, right. anyone should Some do that. Some suggestions are good, but yep. other suggestions are like, fine. Well, yeah, the bit, the bit I do about the three jokes, yeah, that's what you're talking yes. about, right? Yes, the three yeah. jokes that guys talk about. But um, the funniest thing is because Andy's a game designer and everything's a game and a game mechanic. One time, like we're three years into going out, Living together, shacking up, married, the whole thing. He says to me, what are you thinking about in the car? And um, and I was like, oh, my God, he asked me what I was thinking about. <laughs> and so I said, comedy, what are you thinking about? And he said, games. And it, <laughs> and it was literally the last time we had that conversation. <laughs> because that's all he's thinking about. And it we turns must, out that's all I'm thinking about. We, we must wrap, wrap up. up. We must wrap up. Hello again, Andy. Yeah. Superb and Andy, timing. There he is. Perfect timing. Um, and he's wearing the Spooky Rooting Girl t-shirt. Let me, he's strong uh, enough in his sense of self. Very nice. Good guy. <laughs> Let me then ask you what... In closing. In closing. This has become a, a favourite final question of mine. Oh, good. What would you have written on your comedy gravestone? Ah. How long has she been up there? No. Uh, it's... Because uh, <laughs> I'm in heaven, you guys. I'm in heaven in that joke. Uh, so um, <laughs> what would I have? Um, there's a... I'll tell you that this is that... the. Laugh Factory here in Los Angeles. I don't ever want to go to anything that's a factory. I don't want to go to a spaghetti factory. I don't want to go to a cheese factory. I don't want to eat at a factory. I don't want to have laughs generated at a factory. Uh, so, but the Laugh Factory, if when a comic dies, like Robin Williams passed away, people die. And they always put on the damn marquee. She's up in heaven making God laugh. And I swear to God, I will haunt you. I will fucking haunt you if anyone does something like that. Um... What do I want on my gravestone? Pretty much um, life is a learned skill. And she, and I would like to think, think that I'm continuing to work at it. So if on my gravestone it said life is a learned skill and she worked at it every day kind of thing. 
that would be that'd be a nice epithet epitaph whatever that word is and uh yeah i think that would be i i would feel i'm gonna be dead of course so i won't be reading it but uh yeah or i'm with stupid should I do that with an arrow? With a great I was enjoying vicariously being quiet. Just because I... Because <laughs> you were like, oh, I, I know she's going to keep, keep going, talking. Keep going, keep going. Asshole. But I, I'm sorry, I laughed Jack at my own... Hilarious. I laughed at my own accidental joke there <laughs> over the most beautiful bit, which was your gravestone would say, I'm with stupid, and Andy would be lying next to you. Let's leave it there. Jackie Cation, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So thank you to Jackie. Uh, I've got to run now and see a midwife. So uh, we're going to go. Uh, tweet me at ComComPod. Email me info at comedianscomedian.com as my lovely partner with her very neat bump waves frantic to, frantically at me in the background. Uh, I have to run and go. Um, you can follow Jackie Cation on Twitter. You can go to her website uh, at... Uh, you can go to her website, dorkforest.com. And also, here we go, a very quick competition. I've got some of her stuff. I've got a, a copy of This Would Make an Excellent Horcrux. Let's do a competition. If you'd like to win a free one, uh, tweet me and uh, tell me what object in your life would make an excellent Horcrux. That is an extremely nerdy conversation, a, a very nerdy competition. What would make an excellent Horcrux? Tweet me, the best one I'll choose next week, and I will send you a free copy of Jackie Cation's album. You can download them yourself from her website. You can buy them online, go to Bandcamp, all of that business. But for a free one, tell me what object in your life would make the best Horcrux. Ah, oh, so nerdy. Love you guys. Speak soon. Speak soon.